0: Welcome back to the Rodeo Wagon Podcast. Today we're here with Aaron Williams. What's up, Aaron?
1: Hey, how we doing, man? It's good, to, good to see you. Good to talk to you again.
0: <clears throat> yeah, no joke. Last time I saw you, you were freaking getting carried out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a uh, that was unfortunate. But hey, where she goes,
0: um, man, that was go, go through that whole injury again because that's been a minute. I was on the other side. So I was on the right handed delivery, you were on the left. You wrote it. Right, right. You wrote him for what, eighty-four, eighty-six, something like that? Man, to be honest with you, I don't even remember what
1: what they marked me on him. Um it it was it was just a just a nice bull. Um I was I was excited to have him. Uh I had seen him the night before at the event in uh Kalispell with Andrew. Um Primo got on him over there. Was that
0: the first bull he got on?
1: It was that big white bull with the red spots that he got on.
0: The second, I guess
1: guess he wasn't so big. I'm not sure if it was the first. Did he get a right on him? Um, I don't believe so.
0: Okay, so yeah, that was a calf. The first one Andrew got on at Kalispell freaking bucked, Um, but he got.
1: Red spots. I just remember... I remember seeing Primo get on him, and he freaking leaped in the air and was around that was the same left.
0: Bull. Yeah, okay. So that was the same bull. I didn't know that. Yeah, that bull was yeah. fucked with Andrew. Man, oh. I had
1: seen... And I... I with with uh, with Primo, and, and I ride right-handed, and, and uh, I prefer bulls away from my hand. It's... You know... The, the The mechanics and physics of it are so much less and so much easier than into the hand. But anyways, so... I would seen him and, uh, over there, and then I seen I had him in Great Falls that next day, and I was excited about it. And with me, uh, that mud kind of changed his trip with all that rain. He didn't have the big leap. He was just kicking and round left, just good, away from my hand. And I rode him. And then uh, when I went to get off of him, he kind of threw a fit and reared back and threw his head at me. And then uh, he lunged forward. And he sat and he hit on that, the lead to go away from me. So I jumped off of him. And when I jumped off, uh, my tail came up from in between my legs and wrapped around the fingers of my riding hand and kind of pulled me down as I went to step away. And then he fell on the back half of my legs and stepped on me. And uh, and it just turned me into a bullwhip, cracked me against the ground and it busted the top of my arm and uh, and did and dislocated my shoulder. Um, you know, and fortunately the, the shoulder really wasn't, wasn't bad. Um, but when they put my shoulder back in place, a piece of bone went up, tore my rotator cuff, if I'm not mistaken. So I had to get that little, uh, little bit fixed. And, and, uh, at first I was stubborn about it and, you know, I was told that there was a possibility of natural healing, but <laughs> The outcome of, of natural healing probably wasn't going to be very good. So I was stubborn and I waited a month after my injury to see how the natural healing process would go before I got surgery.
0: And, and uh too. I mean for most things you should really want that natural healing. But there's some stuff, especially for what we do, where I mean, heck, I'm I'm even hesitant to who fixes my, you know, shoulders and stuff, because if they do it wrong. You know, I've seen a lot of guys that either don't go through Tandy or they don't know what type of surgery they're getting and it comes undone like the very first you know time and, you know, you end up being out a year instead of six months. Right,
1: right. And so, you know, that's that's pretty well where uh, where where I'm at with it, too. You know, there's not – what we do is so uh, unique to the body as far as wear and tear and injuries and, you know, endurance. So you know we gotta have somebody who knows knows that side of our our living and that side of our profession to uh to keep us going to fix us and keep us going you know there's there's a reason that certain athletes across certain sports go to you know specific doctors
0: yeah for sure Tandy, I think one of the, star guy one whatever. of the biggest things so- with, with the surgeries and stuff and like the doctors is like, Tandy understands the sport. He understands what our body needs to be able to do to compete at a high level. You know, some of these different surgeries and stuff, you can take different body parts. You know, you can graft them in. You can, there's, there's a lot of different things they can do. But if you take the wrong body part that you need, you know, like if you're, you know, getting a knee surgery and they take it from the hamstring, well, that's going to, like, pretty much end a bull riding career. You know, instead of, you know, skeleton right. and as an example right
1: right isn't that isn't it isn't it rather funny how you know as uh as our careers progress as professional bull riders we become a little bit versed in in medical (laughs) terminology and things of that
0: nature yeah a hundred percent because i i'm looking at 12 different surgeries from bull riding so those are separate deals, not like, you know, like my ankle technically had multiple surgeries on it, but do the same injuries, one surgery. So I've had 12 of them now. Right. And starting to get pretty well versed in the shoulders, especially. I've had four shoulders.
1: Right. Sheesh, 12. That's a bit.
0: My, my shoulders like now, so they do what they call ladder J surgery. And so my right one, I've tore my rotator cuff now twice and I've had two ladder J's done one on my left and one on my right i guess what happens when you're you tear your labrum and your bicep tendon after they fix it once if it doesn't hold then a lot of times they'll you know try to do a ladder jay which will decrease your range it'd be a career ender for like a baseball right. player but for a boy right. you know uh, we don't need that range so much so we need something that will you know hold up under the, the brutal contact that it's about to go through
1: right right exactly and, you know, there's things that you can do to, you know, get that range back and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, like, you can still, you know, there's a lot of things. And even without the range, like, it's not to the point where it's, like, changing the way, you know, like, you live. Like, for the average person, you know, like, you can get back to, you know, being normal completely. With right, most- Exactly.
1: exactly dude you can get back to it yeah get back to being normal and then you know for us we got to work a little bit harder to get back to what we want to do but you know that's kind of you know where
0: how do you go through your recovery so for me a lot of times like when I get hurt regardless of whether like this time it was back-to-back injury so I'll be out a year total when I'm done but like each time I get right. hurt like I go through a recovery process and I like plan out my recovery for everything from my like training to like my diet, like hey, I want to hit this weight by this time. Like do you put much thought into you know the recovery aspect on that end or you know, what kind of do you you know, what frame of mind are you in on the recovery?
1: Oh, well, I mean yeah, I mean a you you kinda have to, don't you know? is the way that I look at it is, you know, like this is my profession and and I want to keep doing this for as long as I can. And, you know, not only that, I'm lucky enough to have this as my profession, but also my love. So it's a big driving force in life. So when I can't do it, it's pretty tough. So as far as like recovery goes, I push every aspect of it. I push every aspect of it to, to make it go as smooth and efficient as possible because I want to get back to what I do, you know, as quick as possible, but also as well as possible. So, you know, I, I go through physical therapy. I go and see a physical therapist twice a week. Um, I also incorporate body work from sports injury massage therapists um, to do the things that you know, the physical therapy officer can't break up scar tissue, so on and so forth. You know, there's, there's the bare minimum, and then there's you know things that you got to do and 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 suck it up and bite the bullet to spend the money on or what have you to ensure that your recovery is as to the maximum potential that it can be. So for me, you, I'm not before I I go and and get on again is. I'm going to go see Tandy in person. I'm not going to have a phone meeting. I'm going to see him in person. I'm going to let him, you know, tweak on my shoulder and do whatever he needs to do. And I'm going to get the okay from him in person. And then, you know, before I just go back to work also, like I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm not too prideful or too egotistical to admit that, Mentally, I'm not, I'm not going to mentally, I'm not going to bounce back immediately 110 percent. So I'm not going to go right back to work at the highest level when, you know, I know that I'm not going to be there wholeheartedly physically and mentally. I need to be there physically and mentally to perform at the highest level, to do my job like I'm supposed to, which is ride bulls. It's my job. It's, it's what I expect myself to do every time and if i'm not 110% there physically and mentally then i'm i'm not going to go to work that day i'm going to stay home and get right so that being said you know once tandy gives me the okay you know ment- mentally i'm i'm ready to get back to work but it's a different story when you know you go to hang your rope and get on again so i'm yeah. going to adjust you know, mentality to timing and, and get back my adrenaline control and so on and so forth before I go back to work. So I'll get on a, I'll get on practice pools and so on and so forth, you know, before I do, but as you know, to sum that all up is I take the recovery as serious as possible. I don't, I don't push it and come back too early. Um, you know, I want longevity, not short term. I probably could have pushed it and came back in January and maybe been back this weekend for New York. But there's no sense in doing that. And, you know, just what we talked about recently, you know, could come back in the first one, my shoulder get blown out again. And then, you know, and then we're looking at even even a longer road of recovery. So that
0: is detrimental to the
1: longevity part. So.
0: You know, too, the confidence, you know, side of it as well, You, know, especially at the higher level. It would be one thing if you're just going to like some amateur bull ridings. But when your whole focus is competing at the highest level, it it takes an extra on the mental. It takes an extra on the physical. You know, it, it really does take kind of everything that you have. And physically, if you're not confident you know, physically with where you're at, then that's going to certainly impact your performance on those really good bulls, especially because they will expose that.
1: (laughs) Oh, exactly, dude. You know, and, and, you know, and there's, you know, what, what you said right there, like there's a difference between in, in everything, there's a difference between, you know, professionals and, you know, amateurs, there's a difference between serious and hobbyist and, you know, When you're a professional and you're serious about this, you know, there's so much more that goes into this that, that you have to account for and you have to, your pride and your ego has to, you know, for lack thereof, experience a death because you're going to want to get back to it and your pride and your ego is going to say, oh, we want to be here at this big event. Well, that's got to take a back seat because you got to look at the reality of that and go, you know, okay. I could go to this one big event this one time. I'm gonna be hard on my body and it's hard on my mental this one time and that's probably not gonna do me good for the long term. Or I could be smart, I could bite my lip and just put in some more work and make sure that when I get back to it, I'm all there and I have all the longevity of my career that I want. You know, and, and you know, there's a whole lot that t- that ties into it. You know, as, as far as things of that nature go, and and you know, also is there's, there's there's the aspect of you know, like the you know, like the the high the highest level and so on and so forth. But you know, the the fact of it, I like to I like to approach things for the rudimentary facts of everything. And you know, the fact of it is, like it's it's still bull riding. It doesn't matter, you know, how big the lights, the crowd, the arena, TV, whatever, you know, whether I'm here, you know, in, in my back, you know, my buddy's backyard here with, with my bulls and his and getting on, or I'm at Madison Square or, you know, T-Mobile and whatever, it, it's still bull riding, the rudimentary of it, you know, and that's, That's enough to get anybody's motor running, anybody's adrenaline going. So, and in order to do this and not only do it, but do it at that highest level where it's a career, you've got to be, you know, in tune mentally, but also in tune physically. And they've got to coincide together, coexist, if you will. So,
0: What are you, on that coexisting and stuff, what are your thoughts on getting into writer shape you know you talk about like a lot of fighters and stuff and they get into fight shape like i feel like they're the rider shape too and i i feel like that maybe is more important in the transition from coming out of injury into c- competing at you know that high p- peak level that you're trying to compete at you know how does that play you know into all of that
1: man it it's I, I agree wholeheartedly there's a difference between being in physical shape and being in riding shape and you know like you like you touched on you know the fighters like you know how is it that those guys go and train all day long sun up to sundown, sparring sessions after sparring sessions and they don't get gassed. They might get sweaty but they don't get gassed. It, you know that's to me, you know and it's and it's no different than like you you can watch some of the most you know for lack of a better term gym rat guys on tour or that ride bulls that they're in the gym every single day and twice a day but they could go get on and they get on one bull maybe two and they're fucking excuse my language they're they're huffing and puffing and they're gassed you know what i mean And, and that's that riding shape and for me i think that you know, it's it's uh a, a big it, it goes more to the mental side of it. You gotta be able to learn to control that adrenaline and learn to be able to slow slow down and control the mind and control the brain, you know, because everything else feeds off of that. Your breathing, you know, your your motor skills, so on and so forth. So you know, the, and that's where I think like the riding shape and fighting shape and everything comes into play is, is you know, once again, rudimentary plays into the introduction of adrenaline, you know,
0: you, to, when, when you're coming back. So when you're coming back and you're going into your, you know, like you said, you're not going to go straight to the top. You're going to get on practice bulls per se, whatever that looks like, whether that's that a little local rodeo or at a practice pen. Like if there are specific you know what are you looking for or f- what are you feeling for to determine okay i'm ready to go now like there is there there are certain thing you're looking for you know what is that what does that <laughs> look like
1: uh it's for me what what i'm shooting for and what i lo- and what, what i look for is that complete mental control that vi- you know what i mean being able to and i know that i know that uh, that you can relate as well as you know other athletes can relate also in other sports is there's a, when you're able to control that adrenaline and control the thought process all at once and kind of slow everything down and see it all that, that's what I, that's what I'm after my muscle memory and so on. I, that's something that it's, I constantly work on. So I keep my muscle memory sharp for riding bulls 24 7 and i mean there's certain things that you can do just walking around standing around that you know appease that muscle memory training that you know so where you don't have to think about certain aspects but well i think
0: think that's 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 a great example too Uh, Uh, mental control is what i look
1: for when i'm coming back i want to get on i want to get on bulls in the practice pen and 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 you know that's also my thing too, like when I practice like i'm there's enough guys to get the job done, and like I'm not showing up here just to get on like practice is practice if I need a tune up and just need to get on something that I'm gonna ride, you know, I'll run in some nineteen pointers, some twenty pointers, no big you know no problem and right. and tune up, but practice is. You're there to work on something. You're there to practice. You're there to to perfect. So for me, when I practice enough, guys to get the job done, there's more bulls than there's guys. I'm gonna get on something that's you know, and this the guy who kind of taught me how to ride big bulls was Zach Brown, um, and he used to come to the practice pen and he'd get on two bulls in tennis shoes, and then he'd get on two bulls in his boots and spurs, <laughs> and. I like to do the same exact thing. I like to come to the practice pen and get on a lower end bull, maybe a 19 pointer in my tennis shoes. And it's a wake up like, Hey, wake up, be here, be clear, pay attention to what's going on and, and move accordingly.
0: Yeah. And
1: then, and then I like to step it up and run in some of the better bulls that are there and get on them in my boots and spurs. And, and I've always kind of taken that approach from from zach because zach used to say well if i can ride you know the buckers at the practice pin and boots and spurs then what's it to me when i show up at a rodeo and draw them but you know and so i take that approach to it and then also like zach used to show up and get on in the tennis shoes and and uh i never asked him why he did it but when i first started to get on bulls he used to make me get on in tennis shoes a lot and then as I got older, I kind of drew that connection myself. That putting the tennis shoes on kind of makes you snap awake, like, "Oh, hey, you got to pay attention. You got to be all there." Yeah. With everything, it's you know your tool your tools are a little bit lacking. So wake up and ride right.
0: Yeah, and then, it, you know, I feel like it helps you get your hips under your rope. You don't you oh, don't count quite as much because you know that if you hang too far out there, your feet are going to kick you in the butt. <laughs>
1: Well, exactly, dude. And like, you know, for, for, for me, I'm not, I'm not a guy that, that rides bulls. Like I don't reach down and just get big old holds of them, you know, like I ride with, with my knees in them and my toes turned in and, you know, I, I, I like to ride a lot more, a lot more with my body and use my spurs when needed, you know, for, for lack thereof, I ride with my body, You use my spurs as a tool to help me when I need
0: sure
1: and so it just kind of and I see that with some guys you know to where like they just they clamp or they they think that like their spurs ride for them and we are like they're not they don't ride for you your body and your movements and everything has to ride for you the spurs and everything are there as a tool to help you so I like to do the tennis shoes because just takes away from the toolbox and makes you ride right you know what I mean
0: yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I think the, the, you know, go, going without the, the boots and spurs really helps you get that feel, especially, you know, if you are coming back, the, I mean, there's obviously a line there, like you're not getting on a 21, 22 point. One, but there's still a lot of the feels that you get from it. I think one of the biggest things that like, for me, like coming back is like getting back into that no thought, like you were talking about handling adrenaline and each person right. does it kind of uniquely, but like, when i'm riding at my best i know exactly what that feels like it's hard to communicate right. and each person is different some people like i get super focused and aggressive so i'm like hyper body quiet mind type of a deal so you know right. some people think you can't you you know if you have a hyper body then you're going to have a quiet or you're going to have a hyper mind and i don't i think you can separate them some people are super relaxed joking you know watch blue get on you know that's different than like me or even Andrew vidras or so right. me, but I, each of us kind of know what that feels like, and, and going into where you you get in that process where you're not sinking at all, um, right? Then you start relying, like you said, on you know you start relying on all of those little things you've been doing every single day to get the the drills you know down. Right. Where when you go into that no saw your body knows what to do. You've done it a million times on the barrel or doing wall drills or whatever
1: right and and too, like you know like you like you said, you know there's you could watch some guys before they get on, I think that that gives a uh when you just watch just just watching guys before they get on, I think that that gives a big uh look into guys' mental game, you know, like well, oh, oh, dropped you there a second bro, oh you're good. <laughs> But, uh, you know, like, like you said, you know, like, I've watched, you know, you before you get on several times and you sit there and you rock back and forth and you keep moving, but you stay quiet and you don't really, you don't really talk to nobody. You don't really, you know.
0: Yeah. I, and it's not that you're like
1: ignoring people, but you're just, like you said, you know, quiet mind. And uh, and then you watch guys like Primo, same thing. See, kill he'll mess around and. And bounce around and whatnot and my approach on that like I used to I used to be kind of the same way be moving around a bunch and quiet and so on and so forth and now I just I find myself relaxed yeah. you've,
0: you've changed you know like I, I tell people
1: go ahead man sorry
0: You've changed a little bit. I It's intriguing because this is so personal. I don't know that they're the right or wrong way, but each person, you know, is going to enter a different state when they're at their best. But it is interesting how that can even maybe change throughout a career, even as you kind of mature and change, you know, whether that's a mental thing or whether that's, uh, you know, how that right.
1: is. Right. I, I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, you know, like for me, it was, when uh when I first started to, you know, when when I first started the Pro Rodeo uh, and so on and so forth when I was when I was a kid, uh, you know, I, I went with and he's still one of my best friends, Scotty. Nah, I went with oh, yeah. I went with Scotty. And uh Scotty is one of the most disciplined people when it comes to like bull riding and things of that nature that you can that it can get. And You know, and and he's one of the guys that I molded and adapted, you know, my my routines and regimens for recovery and things of that nature from, you know, because Scotty's endured some pretty serious injuries, but he's come back time and time again to compete at the highest level of bull riding and win. And so, but anyways, you know, Scotty, he used to, you know, he's, he's... super laid back guy he uh he used to always tell me you know like i used to be one of those guys that like you were talking about you know i could sit i would sit there and quiet and i rock back and forth and there's nothing wrong with it like you said it's everybody's got a different approach to how they do this and how they deal with adrenaline and i also used to be one of those guys that i wouldn't eat before i'd get on for hours (laughs) so on and so forth and uh Scotty, we were talking, we were driving, I can't remember where we were going and and uh I was like, You hungry, man? And he's like, Yeah, I'm hungry. We ate and then a while longer, he's like, You hungry again? I was like, No, I'm good. I can't eat before I get on. He goes, man, why do you do that? I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, There's no he said, there's no reason to do that. He was like, it's just bull ride, man. It's just eight seconds. There's no reason to change your daily routine. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, you, you know, you're right. And then I kind of built off of that. And I was like, man, you know, there is no reason to change I, what I, I'm doing or what I feel oh, like doing just question, for because I, I'm I question goals.
0: Scotty right now because I, I love little Scotty Nat. So here's the thing. What if you poop yourself? How about that? <laughs> what if I what? Poop yourself. Man, I, Um, I, I, hey, look, people handle adrenaline differently. Like me, my stomach gets jacked up if I eat beforehand. And this is when I'm like, like I'll be like, even when I'm riding like super good and like there's no nerves, like it's your, your, your body's still producing those nerves, whether like you know it or not. And so mine does it, mine does it with my stomach. Although I will say this in his defense, if you're going to not eat before, You need to make sure that you're eating that day at some point to get enough, you know, like carbs or fat in so that you have the energy to perform. Because certainly an empty stomach, that can't be peak performance.
1: (laughs) Oh, no, most most definitely not. But I think it's I think it's all in in how some how you want to go about it. For me, I built off that and I was like, man, he's he's right. And then I built off it and I said, man, there's no no reason to change what i want to do or how i think just ride bulls and do my job you know nobody else who goes to a job on a nine to five wakes up that morning and they're like oh man i gotta go clock in (laughs) i'm not eating i'm not having my cup of coffee i'm not drinking i'm not eating breakfast today no so why should i you know what i mean like it I get back, you know, that kind of goes back to the rudimentary side of the way that I approach the game. And so I'm I it's only it's it's only a big a deal as you make it. So I'm not gonna okay. make it a big deal. I'm not gonna change what I do or what I wanna do just because I'm gonna go to work, you know, and go you hide rules.
0: You can only focus on so many things. You talk about any athlete at the highest level and the the reason they're at that level is because they've they have the talent, they have the work ethic, but above all else, they're able to have the discipline or just the natural ability to be able to push out distractions. So there's only so many things to focus on. So I I, I do like that the simple, you know, coming from things from a very simplistic point of view, whether that's in your your physical approach or your mental approach. If you can stay simple, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot of complex things when you talk about form and and drills and stuff but if you focus so much on you know the details instead of sticking you know and focusing on the forest you know trees forest type of a deal like sometimes you really just need to see and step back and look at like okay the simplest you know way here like how do i move forward
1: exactly what i'm about to say on that you know ties and ties into kind of that and what you said earlier where you're like, you know, like my stomach and, and you said, you know, your body's producing those nerves, whether you know it or not, most of the time, you know, you're, you're, you're exactly correct. And most of the time, like when those nerves start human beings, for whatever reason, try to force them down or try to not admit that that it's happening Rather than, you know, like, just acknowledge it. You don't got to live in it. You don't got to dwell in it. Acknowledge it. And then bring yourself to an understanding of the facts of it. You know what I mean? So when you're getting nerved up like that, acknowledge it. Don't say, I'm not nervous. Say you're nervous. Say you're scared, whatever. But, you know, discuss that within yourself. Discuss it. Make it make it make sense. Okay, why am I nervous? I've done this before. It's not a big deal. Why am I nervous?
0: Well, and I think understanding
1: and... Go uh, ahead, bro. Sorry.
0: Even understanding, I think, the consequences of those actions and actually instead of, instead of not, like you said, not addressing it, instead of saying, okay, if I'm nervous because I'm, you know, going to get killed or I'm going to get hurt, take that, whatever that thought was and take it to its full conclusion, like at its very worst. And, you know, I think... If if we are very realistic with ourselves, with our purpose in life, and with the direction we're going, and we can answer those those with confidence, like, hey, this is what this is what I love doing. This is the consequences. I'm willing to face the consequences in order to do what I love. I think at that point, your your mind has the ability to you know uh, perform through you know, those little distractions like nerves and stuff, because you're more committed to the act than you are, you know, nervous about the outcome.
1: Right, dude. And you know, like that's and you know, like that's kind of goes back to goes back to what I said about like, you know, the the details and acknowledgement. Like just acknowledge it. It's a detail though. Like it's not a fact. Cause if it was a fact, there'd be a lot more of us in the ground than there is. And it's, it's just acknowledge it. It's, it can happen, but it's, it's, you know, like I like to say, acknowledge the details, live in the facts. If, if you, it's so complex, like you said, and and you can get so lost and so wrapped up in the details and get your mental state so spun up that like everything else just falls back and you kind of, for lack (laughs) of a better, get about it. So like, I I just go about it that way. And I go about it that way with everything in life, man. Like, Acknowledge the details. Don't live in them. Live in the facts. Live in the simplicity. Because the simplicity is what gets it done. The simplicity across all walks of life has always been what gets it done. And acknowledgement of details is what makes it perfect. So yeah I, I go about oh about the bull riding and and life and and everything that way, you know, like think of it this way, man, like you could I've done this as a kid, you could get off the couch and break your arm. I did it. I was literally laying on the couch before football practice as a kid went to the roll off to get off the couch and just put my arm down and pivoted wrong and broke my wrist oh, it, you could you could you know in the wrong neighborhood, you could walk out your front door and lose your life hell, the wrong neighborhood, you could be sitting in your living room, lose your life. So, you know, that's, that's just a, it's just a detail, a detail of, of life that, you know, like I acknowledge it. I just don't live in, it. I live in the facts of it. And the facts of it is like, you know, I do this, I've done this and I can continue to do this.
0: Um, I was hearing you say that. And I think like most things in life, like, so whenever, you know, that there's times where you like pull up to a stoplight. And it feels like everybody's moving, but they're not. It's just like you're having like a, you know, a mental like thing. It's the same thing with like on a boat. I forget what it's called, but there's a word for it. Like people that get on boats for a long time and then they get on, they get on land and everything's moving, but it's not. It's just,
1: so. I think there's an acronym that you're looking for. Yeah,
0: they're the, they're the, there is. But anyway. <laughs> to, what was
1: it? I said it's called CTE. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, yeah. That's another thing that probably needs to be addressed that nobody is. But um, so anyway, when you get to that point where everything feels like you know you're disoriented and everything feels like it's moving, you look for that plate that is solid, right? That fixed anchor point. You're at a stoplight. You look. You don't look at other vehicles. You look at like the stoplight itself, or like you know a fire hydrant that's just a fixed location, and that helped your your brain and your body kind of realign, you know. Actually,
1: and... say this: that if this happens to you when you're coming up to a stoplight. I'm just making a mental note. You are never driving my rig again.
0: Hey, it's definitely happened. <laughs> it's just it's not your stop, though. It's not but you know. That's what you're talking about, it <laughs> happens sometimes when I'm like parked
1: in a parking spot, and the car next to me starts moving.
0: Yes. Okay. Starts... Could be that. That. It, like, you, what the heck? Yeah, but if you're parked yeah. you're at a stoplight, that you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I'm just anyway it freaking happens but what you do is you look for that fixed anchor and i think like even okay it, i would tell guys coming up that are riding because we've experienced it especially you get to the higher higher level and like you get on you go to go to your first velocity or you go to your first tour event and you're like the nerves and stuff can snowball on you and you can literally feel like just everything is out of control your focus is not there and oh yeah Being able to know, okay, what is that fixed reference that I need to get? I need to get my mind on that in order to come out of this so that I can perform effectively. One of the biggest things for me was feel. Like the feeling of just being on a bull and being tapped off on a bull. If I could quiet my mind and focus on that, it seemed to relieve all of the nerves and everything. Because within that moment, you're in control, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. You're, You're in control your adrenaline is not rushing to where everything's just a blur and happening fast. Uh, it, and that's, it's, you know, it's, it's mental clarity. And like, I like to describe it to people like that feeling you're talking about when everything's just slow and clear and precise and calm. It's the most peaceful time that I have in my life. <laughs> it literally like there's, it's it's, it's consistent with weightlessness yeah you feel you feel nothing you just you're just <laughs> there experiencing it and it's you, you could, it's not a rush blur. you're just there
0: in there and then when you attach that to like being on the back of a bull like there's a feeling of being absolutely tapped off on one and it's crazy that of an animal that size that you could be on that animal and literally feel as though you're just like attached to him in the most perfectly rhythmic way that you can think. You know, I could, it's, it, it, it's, it's times like that where I'm like, okay, I understand why people love music, you know, and they get, they get lost in that rhythm, you know, and that, that feeling. Like we experience that. And I think everybody probably does in different things, but for us, it's in, it's in riding bulls. What's up everybody? I'm thrilled to announce a fantastic partnership between the Rodeo Wagon Podcast and Rodeo Life Official. Rodeo Life isn't just a coffee brand, it's a veteran-owned business that epitomizes the principles of hard work, dedication, and perseverance in all their products. As an avid consumer of Rodeo Life Coffee, I am proud to align myself with a company that mirrors my values and resonates with our audience. Supporting this veteran owned business is not only a testament to our shared ethos, but also a way to give back to those who have served our country. This partnership promises exciting content, collaborations, and surprises for all our listeners and the rodeo community. You can anticipate special episodes featuring the Rodeo Life experts and even a chance to win some Rodeo Life merchandise. We look forward to this journey with Rodeo Life and the enriching experience it will bring our audience. Join us as we venture into this partnership fueled by a passion for rodeo and a great cup of Rodeo Life coffee. Stay tuned for more exciting updates and the amazing things to come from the Rodeo Wagon podcast and Rodeo Life Official. Make sure you go to rodeolifeofficial.com and check out all their sweet merch. Are you searching for that perfect statement? Look no further than bluegrass engraving, where creativity meets craftsmanship. Their specialty lies in creating custom buckles and dip cans, but that's not all. They redefine elegance with an exquisite line of jewelry. And for those who appreciate a little flair, check out their engraved guns collection. At Bluegrass Engraving, they don't just create products. They craft experiences. Visit Bluegrass Engraving today and let them turn your visions into engraved realities. Bluegrass Engraving, where artistry meets authenticity. Hey there, folks. I want to tell you about my favorite cowboy hat brand, Sombrero Brands. As a professional bull rider, I know how important it is to have a hat that not only looks good, but can withstand the toughest rides out there. And that's exactly what Sombrero Brands delivers. Their hats are custom fitted and shaped to perfection, with a level of attention to detail that's hard to find these days. But what really sets Sombrero Brands apart is the fact that they're a family owned and operated business. Mark and Kendall Holler, the owners, and their daughter Sarah, who's only 13 but already a hat-making prodigy, are all passionate about their craft. They know what it takes to make a cowboy hat that can stand up to anything the rodeo circuit can throw at it. And get this, the founder's grandfather, Polly Holler, was born and raised at South Camp on the Four Sixes Ranch. These folks have got cowboy blood running through their veins, and it shows in every hat they make. That's why I'm proud to have sombrero brands as a major sponsor for my podcast, the Rodeo Wagon Podcast. So if you're in the market for a hat that's tough enough to handle anything the rodeo throws at it, give sombrero brands a try. Trust me, you won't be disappointed.
1: Exactly, man, and, and, and rudimentary rudimentary fact of that is, is just the it's a control of it's a total control of adrenaline and, and dopamine combined. You're happy, but rushed at the same time, and it's a it's 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 a total controlled feeling of happiness. Pretty
0: well. Yeah, I think there's some of it too. That's like so. I think okay. So just to kind of chase the rabbit trail, if we will. So you get in that time, and I don't think that I think people think of happiness and stuff. It's like always being the most pleasurable, and I think sometimes it is, but there's other times that I've noticed where, like you talked about the dopamine, if I take an ice bath, and I take ice baths, and there's like a time in that ice bath where I feel similar within the mental clarity, and I think part of that could be how my body is addressing the dopamine that's happening within the ice bath, which is fascinating because that does happen when you're riding, But like, that's one of the times where like, I like to be in solitude, like I'll sit there in an ice bath and just, you know, be, but it's not a pleasurable, like a warm feeling, you know, you're cold, like your body's in a a different state.
1: It's a, it's a, it's a controlled happiness. It's the rush from adrenaline from, you know, the sudden drop in temperature. By the way, I'm a fan of ice baths also, Yeah, but it, it, it's the, you know, the, you hit the cold water and it's oh, oh, oh. It, adrenaline rushes to you and you're like, holy crap. But then once you're able, once you like hit that, there's that one breath that you, and then you're like, okay, I got this in your head. You're like, yeah. I got this. Yeah. And then you, kind of, and then it's like, it's that controlled happiness. It's that controlled adrenaline. It's, you know, for la- lack of a better term, mind, the mind over matter, you know, it's, it's you being in control of your mind over the matter, which is the freezing water.
0: Yeah. Yeah. and, And it's
1: no different from like being, being tapped off We're we are on this, you know, we're on something that weighs anywhere from, you know, 15 to, you know, 2,200, 2,100 pounds. And that, that feeling of, you can't beat me. You you could, you won't beat me. You can't beat me, even if you did a backflip right now. I got your ass. It's you know it's it's that it's that same feeling. It's that that control of adrenaline, that control of the situation, and uh, it's it's factually it's the introduction of adrenaline and dopamine to the brain, and you know. Being able to harness that and man, I could really get into like the, you know, the, the mental stuff and the mental side of things pretty deep. It's, it's something that I'm really into and, and I've done a lot of research into and, you know, there's some of the smartest people in the world who've only ever been able to access like eight to 10% of their brain, like usage wise, Yeah, you know, and they're able to do, you know, otherworldly things could you imagine if we had had any had any more control over it than that
0: let me can i ask you a question cuz i have never really talked to anybody about this and i'm curious what your thoughts are i may start asking a few guys this what are your thoughts on the effects of concussions in bull riders have you experienced any side effects from concussions over the years and if so why and is it something that like just as bull riders we should probably pay attention to <clears throat> Uh, i'm asking it like a serious personal thing because it's something i i was talking to my cousin the other day something i don't think i've talked to really anybody about like hey you know other than maybe outside of like the, the the first week or so after a concussion by the way like that time you do generally
1: you know dude and not just in bull riders like in cowboy culture in general like it's kind of taboo to talk about you know injuries or so on and so forth but you know That is what it is, you know, broken bones, torn ligaments, dislocated joints, everything like that, that all heals, but like the brain, it's not, that's not something that you can just go under the knife and, and voila, you're fixed. Yeah. And so I think that it's something that, you know, not only in the PBR, in rodeo needs to be addressed and, and not only addressed, it needs to be looked into heavily. Well, I, myself, CTE and everything of the sort scares the ever living hell out of me, um, you know, and and especially after, uh, you know, God rest his soul, especially after what our friend Posse went through, you know, that, you know, like that, that right there in itself was a big wake up call for me um, in the fact that like mental health, you know, literally physical mental health in our sport. Not just, oh, mental health, you got to be okay. I'm not talking about that crap. Yeah. I'm talking about actual physical mental health concussion wise and so on. Like it's it, something to be taken more serious. And uh, I myself, when I was rodeoing, um, had a had a good, you know, not a, that's not good. But I had a string of concussions and uh, there was a brain surgeon who happened to be at the rodeo both the rodeos i don't know if he was there with somebody or what but he was there and uh, i had got on spotted demon um julio's old spotted demon uh
0: okay.
1: and the julio and the shot spotted demon um and i had rode it long story short rode him on one watch seven nine on the other and i cut loose on him met like seven i remember cutting loose Cause he kind of run me back and I cut loose to get my hips to my rope and I caught him and I thought you better keep going now.
0: <laughs> and so
1: I just kept scratching and at like seven and a half, he he stepped ahead and kind of run me back again. And I remember thinking to myself, like, you're riding this bastard. You better just take it. Yeah. Just closing my eyes and pulling my foot and trying to get my hips back to my rope and pulling that foot. And then uh, the next thing I remember, I i woke up i was already awake but i I came to and i was uh putting my rigging bag in the trunk of my car
0: that's called looking down the barrel
1: right and uh and i put my gear bag in there and i went to the office and there was still a secretary in there and i asked her i said hey did I get marked and so on and so forth? And she said, oh, what's your name? And I told her and she was like, no, they had you at eight on one side and seven, nine on the other. And seven, nine was lax side. Was like, oh, dang. Oh, well, the next day I was in Ellensburg and it was an afternoon perf. I went over there, rode my bull and won the long round. And then the extreme bulls finale was that night. Um, I was like second in the long round at the extreme bulls. And then I got on a big old Canadian bull in the short round and he was usually just good uh and that night he left out of there and got a good like push and kick off those back of the buck and shoots and kind of popped my chin and raised me up and then when he hit he stacked him up and that big sucker pulled me down and uh he didn't hit me in the face he hit me in the chest with his horn threw me in the air and uh that brain surgeon he came to me that night and was like hey I saw you at Walla Walla last night I was there. Um, I saw you take that hit right here. What's your email? I gave him my email and he emailed me some like research and some pictures and stuff of, of brains and so on and explained to me that the brain is one of the only organs and pieces of the body that doesn't, you know, for lack of a better term, start healing right away. It takes two weeks for the brain to even begin the healing process. Which so are-
0: Which is crazy to think about. I've never, I've never got a concussion. And then the next weekend did not ride other than one time now, because like I had excessive blame breeding enough to where I, I couldn't ride, but right. Obviously every time you get a concussion, your, your brain bleeds.
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. And see, like, that's something that, you know, like, you know, you pay attention to, and that's not something that I paid attention to up to that point. And, uh, And so when he told me that, I kind of, I not kind of, I paid attention to it. And, you know, so now every time that I get rocked, even a little bit, uh, when my bell gets rung, like I, I take two weeks off You do because I don't, man, like, like I said, CTE is, it scares the hell out of me. It's one of my worst fears. And, you know, it's kind of inevitable that with what we do and the, you know, brain trauma that we've. How
0: many do you think you've had in your career,
1: man? I I couldn't, I honestly couldn't tell you. And and I'm kind of happy that I can't tell you. I don't, I don't care to (laughs) rack those numbers up,
0: but I mean, I think like just when you talk about for the longest time, when I first started, I thought you only got a cushion when you got knocked out cold. And so I had like, you know, I've been, we've been, I've been knocked out cold over probably 15 times in my career. You probably have two.
1: I don't think. See, like I can, I can count. Like slept cold like that. I can count five times.
0: Okay, I'm probably closer to fifteen. I've had concussions outside of that, but I have right. What's weird is some of the worst concussions I've had were not like I didn't get knocked out at all. Like I got hit last year at the one uh the event before the combine it was at Bangor, Maine. And like that impacted me for a, you know a solid week.
1: <laughs> and see, it's funny you say that is one of the wor- the worst concussion to date that I've had, and and is also why you know I'm I'm an advocate for for helmets, uh, because I know all well and good that if I didn't have a helmet on in that that particular instance, I my career would have been over, and I more than likely would have been. Um, in a wheelchair again uh i was at prescott over the fourth of july and i had gotten on a uh, nfr bull he we went to the finals that year his name was diamond cutter uh danny reagan owned him and uh he was usually good around the around the right and he was around the right good and then About like the four or five hole he jumped ahead and started rearing around that corner really throwing his head at me and uh he i for the life of me i can't remember if i rode him or not but it doesn't matter because i give him the win on that one i remember him rearing away from me and dropping me in the well a little bit and me waiting and breaking at the hips over to the front for him to pick me up and then when i went to shove my hips he sucked back and arched his backbone and lifted me up off his back and then brought me down to the outside and threw his head at me. And he hit me right behind the ear with his horn, like the point of his horn. And uh, he hit me. And I remember it was. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had any perennial nerve uh, a damage or injuries, that nerve that runs on the outside of your leg. It's a common thing for fighters if, you know, like they get kicked, they'll hit that perennial nerve. Well, it feels like a hot shot hits you and it's like electric like zing and then you just can't feel it and you can't move. And it was like that. That bull hit me behind the ear with his his horn. And I remember like I can still remember, see everything. He cracked me and it was like somebody hit me on the top of my head with a hot shot and my whole body zinged but I couldn't move and I was glint And I remember, I, I remember flying through the air and uh, being like, holy shit. And then hitting the ground and I hit the ground and I was like, move, move, move. And I couldn't move. And I was just watching that bull turn back, bam, bam. bam and he kind of faded towards me and then he faded away and I saw sports med coming to me. And then about that time I, I, I got like a tingle and I was able to feel my feet and I started to move to try to get up and they're like, no, don't get up, don't get up. And they checked me out and it did knock me out, but it, that affected me for a good week, week and a half. And, and I didn't, uh, I didn't get on any, any bulls for probably about a month, month and a half. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that, that one, right, that one right there, it. You know, that that, that one
0: opened your eyes a little without a
1: helmet. Without a helmet, no, would have that would probably been the end of my career right there.
0: Yeah, man, those helmets they really do save you. I got stepped on in the temple and it would have killed me.
1: Oh, yeah, yep, that'll do it.
0: Stepped on my temple, and then guess what? The next day I got on again at a PBR because that was an amateur deal. The next day I got on at a PBR and got KO'd. Was out for like three or three to five minutes. (laughs) It's a long time.
1: Yeah, that is. Yeah, that is not. uh, That is not. That's not okay. And you know, like, luckily for us now. Luckily for us now, the. Right. God damn it! Hang on. Luckily for us now, the PBR has you know the. I'm here. Oh. Luckily for us now, the PBR has their concussion protocol. Yeah, they do. Has their concussion protocol. So we can uh, ensure some mental safety. I think- And I agree with it. We- I, I know some guys are like, man, this is how I feed my family, blah, blah, blah. Well, back to the longevity of things. Does it matter? For one? You know, like you said you got your temple stepped on, went to PBR and got on. They didn't know that. Yeah. You know, if it was been revealed, they probably wouldn't let you get on.
0: If that would have been at a PBR the night before, they a hundred percent would have not let me get on.
1: Definitely. And that's something that I think needs to be taken a lot more serious, well, man. I the, cannot...
0: scary the scary part is I don't remember anything from that day. And at that time, um, you know like me and Kelly had just gotten married or we were engaged and I think I drove home too and that's an issue like oh yeah, a lot of this that happens and like our brains can't recall it and that's the scary part like there's, pros- there's parts of uh, you know those concussions where you don't remember anything like I can't tell you how many times I've been knocked out or gotten concussed and my wife is mad at me because she's trying to get me to come out because she can't go into the locker room and I'm right. so I don't even. I'm just in freaking La La Land, you know, in the locker room, probably talking to buddies about nothing. I remember Dakota getting knocked out last no, year. Got knocked out. He got a concussion.
1: What happened? And all of us go, You got knocked out, dude. <laughs> oh, did I ride him? Yeah, man. Oh, and then another five minutes goes by, and you, What happened? Yeah, that's-, that's what we all freaking do,
0: man. <laughs> Yep, Dakota. He came up to me last year at Wichita. He goes, "Where's my bull rope at?" I said, "Dakota, it's right at your feet. Look down." (laughs) He came (laughs) up to me a couple minutes later. Hey, where's my bull rope? Probably in your bag where it was five minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you know, that's. But I think part of it too is, you know, for the most part, we nobody's really gave information on if you know, when you're dealing with concussions and CTE and all of that, right, what are effective recovery methods to employ? Like, what ways in which bull riders can maintain mental health going through these extreme things? Because I think the reason nobody talks about it is, once you talk about it, it sounds awful. Like, what are you going to do about it? But, you know, maybe if there was, you know, more you know, action, if more people took action on, okay, there are things we can do to help us, you know, you know, we're obviously, if you ride bulls, you're going to get concussions. That's a fact. So now, right, the is, what can we be doing in order to make sure our mental health is taken care of as much as it possibly can be?
1: Exactly. And, you know, and that's something that I've, I've began to talk to some, people about um i've got some friends that are in the the stunt industry and uh there's some of those guys that that they do things and go up to centers and so on and get some treatments for for ct and concussions and so on and so forth there's you know there's some hockey players and stuff that go to different centers and are getting treatments and you know like there was a it wasn't long ago that uh, I was talking with a a buddy of mine from up in Canada, uh, Chad Bug, and he was he was talking to me about it a little bit, and we were just kind of BSing some about it. But uh, there's different, you know. There's I think that that's something that needs to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, the the academic word for pushed into, you know, pushed upon our industry. Yeah, it needs right. to be all professional sports, it all is, impact sports.
0: It, it is going to happen. It's happening in other sports. I believe football has taken uh, a lot of, you know, protocols. They put a lot of protocols in place that make it difficult for these athletes to avoid, you know, addressing Concussions. I think that's a good step, and the PBR is in a good place. As far as the, the demographic, the, the Western sports world, I think you're right. And I think it's going to happen, but it's going to have to be forced upon. Look, there's something that goes against this old-school cowboy mantra of, you know, you just get on, and you tough it out, and you stop complaining, and you keep it to yourself. Dealing with brain injuries, they didn't have the knowledge that we have now. So we really should probably take that seriously. And like... You know, most people don't think, but I know when I first started, a lot of people, you know, they were retiring at thirty. Well, the bulls aren't getting any weaker; they're getting, they're continually getting better, and guys are riding longer. There's a lot of guys riding into their mid to late thirties nowadays. It's not right, and 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 at a high level. I mean, look at Ed and I, you know. So yeah, yeah. you know, being able to, you know, really this be, this be forced upon the industry, I think, is going to impact the next generation, the generation after that coming up, hopefully being able to help, you know, with the longevity of of bull riders in general. Because certainly, certainly the impact of CTE on you as an individual is going to impact your career as a bull rider.
1: Oh, cor- correct. Correct. And I mean, and, you know, and and, and life, life goes on after bull riding also. Yeah. So it's going to continue to impact you as a human being as a person, you know, as a father, as a husband, as a co-worker, you know, so on and so forth. So, you know, I, I think that uh, once again, you know, like rudimentary aspects, you know, like I think that people get so wrapped up in the details of like, oh no, it's this sport and you got to do it and you only have this much time and, you know, so on and so forth. But it's like, man, like you only have this much time in life too. So
0: yeah, might as well, might
1: as well not cut that short either. Might as well have a little bit of help, you know, and if taking a take and if, you know, taking a seat on the bench for a couple of weeks is what you need to do to help out up here. So you have a longer and better life then it needs to be accepted and it needs to be allowed. But, you know, people get wrapped up in the details of like, oh, this little game right here and or whatever, whatever sport, whatever we're doing right here and the money and everything like that. And it's like, yeah, that's all well and cool. But once once you're done with that, like and it's left its mark on you, literally.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, it's left it's left its stain on you if some if you want to call it that. But then what? You know, so there's, you know, certain, you know. Aspects that I that I think that you know people need to take into account too. You know, like
0: yeah, I think it's overall wellness. You know, like overall 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 wellness.
1: And there's a difference between having you know just a nagging injury. You got a torn MCL or
0: whatever. Like for sure, yeah. Tape up
1: and suit up. Come on, tape up, suit up, shut up, and do your job.
0: Our job, our job as bull riders, is to push the envelope between. You can and should do this and this is an injury that will prevent you from doing this.
1: <laughs> well, exactly, dude. And and you know, there's a I don't I don't think that, you know, like don't get me wrong, man. If if somebody's like, oh I I I I hurt my knee or I hurt this or whatever, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get on. Don't be a bull rider like you're a pussy. Don't be a pussy. Don't be a bull rider. Like They don't coincide. (laughs) There's a difference between just having a little nagging injury like, oh, yeah, I got a a torn ligament in my knee or something. Tape up, shut up and ride. But, you know, you're never going to hear me call somebody a pussy or say, oh, you're, you know, this or what have you. For, for making a choice not to get on because they, they got rocked.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'm I think ever,
1: I am never going to falter anybody for going, yeah, I got my bell rung. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a break. I'm gonna take some time. Yeah, you're I'm right. gonna be like, gonna tell you smart, man. Yeah. But if you're like, Oh man, I, 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 I hurt my, I hurt, I hurt my big toe, Kyle. I'm not going to get on you. You, f- Pussy, come on! Oh, I broke my hand. I'm not going to get on. No, you're 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 pussy, and you didn't want to get on, and that's why you're making an excuse now. But there's all kinds of different outlooks on that, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think at the highest level, you know, certainly, like every single person, if if you look at anybody that's you know, competed at that high level, like every single one of them has a unique ability to tolerate pain. And, you know, really the decision comes down to like, what is the impact of tolerating this pain? There's injuries where if you get hurt, like, that's the worst it's gonna get. Like, it's not gonna get any worse. It's gonna, like, you know, I broke my fibula and one year, and it was just the, the fibula bone. So it wasn't the tibia, it was the smaller, yeah, one the non wake,
1: right?
0: Non wake bearing. And so yeah. for me, like, I rode through that. Like, it wasn't gonna get any worse, yeah. really. Um, it just was going to hurt, you know, like heck. So then it like, you know, it healed up just fine. That wasn't a big deal. Like you freaking, you know, when I tore my ACL meniscus and ACL, like I didn't have any strength in my knee whatsoever. I couldn't ride bulls that were very strong because I didn't have that, you know, to give them. Right. But head injuries, there's no, it's it's not cut and dry. It's it's a difficult deal. Like only you as a person really know where you're at mentally. And it makes it, it it gives us more of a responsibility as individuals to really take into consideration where's my mental state at. And then our buddies. We should probably be more play pay closer attention to our buddies and where their mental state is. Because agreed, you know, agreed. I've had impact several... people different.
1: Exactly, dude. And and I'm, you know, sorry to to cut you off. That was rude. Uh I've had several, you know, contractors, promoters, or, you know, what have you get upset with me because I have come to the defense of my buddies or of, you know, like there's been a handful of times of random guys that like they're clearly are, they got rocked and they're not there. And people are trying to get them to get on another one. And it's like, hey what the hell are you guys doing and uh one instance sticks out to me you know in just really sticks out and always will um I went up to um somebody's house who they do a lot with bulls um they have a lot of people come get on there from a lot of different places and a guy who i knew of was happenstance to be there and he was getting on and he got on one of these people's younger ones that they would run through to get trips on um run through this younger bull and it jerked him down and hit him and stepped on him and it it, it rocked him yeah he was, you know how you're talking about Dakota, was like, where's my bull rope?
0: Yeah, he got his, his, t- guy, his rope was hung on the fence.
1: Oh, yeah, big time. His rope was hung on the fence, and he's walking around just uh, just aimlessly walking around the outside of this or this arena walking around the backpins and so on and so forth. And he's, where's my rope? Where's my hat? His hat's on his head. And, and uh, they start loading some more of these calves, and that guy's like, come on hang them on let's go and they're trying to get this guy to get on some more and and i stepped in and i was like this guy doesn't even know where he's at you guys really can't like shouldn't put him on anymore even if he wants to you shouldn't let him right and the guy got mad at me and he was like if you're gonna i don't even remember exactly what he said but he pretty he pretty much told me if i was gonna interfere with him getting outs on his bulls then uh i wasn't welcome at his place which i didn't want to be there in the first place i just gave a buddy of mine a ride there because he was he didn't have wheels at the time they hadn't made it down from canada yet yeah and uh, so i said that's fine but you know like things like that like that and then you know people complain and they say oh we don't have bull riders we don't have people coming up well you know there's a difference between testing somebody when they need to be tested and just getting outs on your bulls and getting bodies on them
0: yeah there is if you
1: want to want to think... help make some bull riders then you know nourish that a little bit nurture it not nourish nurture that a little bit you know if you see a guy who's literally rocked don't let him get on and i mean kind of maybe have some compassion as a human also and see another human being. Who's not well,
0: <laughs> so the, challenge here too the bull industry. Cause I don't, so the, the bull industry gone through a really weird thing in the last you know year, but now that they're like, these bulls are competing for money and there's so much money in the bull industry. I feel like even less of guys that own the bulls really care, you know, for them, a lot of times it is just getting a jockey on, you know? Um, and I don't know, you know, that's a whole other discussion. Right? discussion, but I think it's something worth, especially for the next generation, like, hey, you know, like, how is this all going to work effectively for the, the betterment of the contestants, you know, in order for, you know, the bull industry to to perform at that level? We need to make sure that right. the contestants are, you know, given the tools and the, and the knowledge that they need to be able to, you know, respond um, Well, you know, especially you know with how ranked the Bulls are getting at a, at a young age, but I think it, I think it, I think it has to be addressed. You know, overall, I think, I think
1: you're right. That going that way for a number of years, you know, and it was just the way that the futurity system was set up. It, you know, you couldn't blame those guys for wanting to cash in on that and breed the best that they could, or or you know buy the best that they can from HD. And, uh, <laughs> but is uh, I think that the implementation of these bull teams, these bull team competitions,
0: yeah.
1: I really think that that is, is going to be, um, beneficial for that factor of what you were talking about, you know, where, so there's, there's some guys that don't like them and, you know, like, teach you. You're, you're going to find people with everything and anything that some like it, some don't. But I, for one, I, I like the bull team events. I like the structure of them. I think that, you know, I think that it's been, I think that it's beneficial for the production of bull riders.
0: Yeah, I do. I do. I agree. Um, <clears throat> I got to run out of here. But um I wanna have you on again. Man, it's been fun. We could talk about this for hours. I don't think people understand oh, like no doubt. we could literally talk all day long. <laughs> oh yeah. Easily, um, dude. Easily. When, when are you coming back? Do you have like a do you have kind of a date ish? Like do you have a month? February, March? Do you really know? Like even practice pools.
1: I'm shooting for February. Um that's uh that's the mark right now. Last time that I saw and I talked to Tandy, uh, we talked about January, but ruled that out um, and just banked on February. So, um, and like I said, I'll go see him. Um, I'll go see him before I do anything. But it's looking like February and uh, it's it's looking like February, not looking like it's, it's February with a vengeance.
0: All right. Heck yeah.
1: At the time time off is always a good reassurance for me that uh i i ride bull i ride bulls to slay dragons <laughs> and when I, I got a list of them that i'm coming after
0: heck yeah well we're gonna do we're gonna do another podcast once you get back so once you get back i'll get a hold of you and we'll we'll do another one
1: sounds good brother hey it's All always right. good to talk to you dude always good to see you. we'll be running into each other here soon
0: heck yeah i love you brother we'll see you later